0: In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. So welcome on this Sunday morning as we do two important things today. First, celebrating the Feast of Candlemas, and then afterwards, telling a little bit of our story at our annual meeting. I was talking to a few people this morning. I'm not sure that any of you have, at least not here in this place, celebrated the Feast of Candlemas before, And so it might merit a little bit of introduction and a little bit of explanation. Um, Traditionally, this feast falls on February 2nd. It's very tied to that day, which is probably why you haven't seen it before. It won't surprise you maybe to know that sometimes clergy can be a little rigid about tradition. And so if February 2nd is not a Sunday, we often won't move this to the Sunday, which is what I've done today, obviously. But I did it today because I feel like we are in a a season, all of us, when we could use a little bit more light. And that is exactly what Candlemas is. Candlemas is the celebration of the end of the Christmas season. And I know that Christmas probably feels like it was eons ago to you. It does to me too. But liturgically, where we are in the church year, um, this feast is sort of the end of the story arc. It's the end of the season when we remember the light that is coming into the world. And that's what happens at the presentation. It's the light that makes this day special. We'll come back to the story in a moment, but a word about the tradition. Obviously, there was a time when candles were much more important in people's lives. We don't necessarily need to light them for everything anymore, but there certainly was a time when they were lit for just about everything. And so it was a real sort of visceral, close, concrete example of the fact that every time you lit one of those lights, it was supposed to remind you of the light of Christ, the light that had come into the world at Christmas. And in particular, after February 2nd, as we make our way sort of through that long part of winter where we're all tired of it and would like it to go away, and as we head into sort of the dark, kind of somber season of Lent, This tradition became a a really beloved one so that you would bring your candles to church and have them blessed, or take a candle with you from church. And when you needed a reminder of that light, that light that can never be put out, your candles could help remind you of it. It's a feast of light, a focus on the light. And it is specifically that light that makes the gospel story work today. It's the light that Simeon and Anna see at the presentation of Jesus. Now, the presentation is a traditional thing. The gospel explains it to us a little bit, that the firstborn son would be presented at the temple as holy to God and a sacrifice would be made. And so Jesus being the firstborn was presented, like many, many other children in faithful Jewish families for generations. And yet, there was something different about this day something special about this day. And it's really sort of visible to us in the two people that appear in the gospel. And the first is Simeon. And Simeon is someone that we only really hear about in this story. Tradition tells us that the Holy Spirit at some point showed up in his life and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Christ, until he had seen the redemption of Israel. And that's what happens this morning. For some reason, the Holy Spirit moves him and he goes to the temple. And as this presentation is happening with Jesus, he sees the Christ, the embodiment of the redemption of Israel. And he gives us this beautiful, hopeful prayer that as Christians, we've said for generations. And if you joined us at any point in the last two years for evening prayer or for morning prayer, you very likely heard it because it's very often used In those office prayer services. It's a hopeful, striking prayer. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord, which you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations, and the glory of your people Israel. It's a striking prayer, and it should cause us to ask all kinds of questions, like, what does it mean to see the Lord? What does it mean to take that in with your eyes? To see your salvation? And then it's not just Simeon, is it? Then we have Luke, who goes out of his way to tell us about a prophet, a woman whose name is Anna. So lest you ever hear people tell you there are no prophets and no women that were serving God in, in Scripture, here's a very good example of One who we also don't hear about anywhere else, just like Simeon, this is the only place that Anna appears. And Luke goes out of his way to tell us that she lives in the temple, practically. She's there day and night. She never leaves. She's so utterly devoted to God that she is always there. And for her too today, the Holy Spirit seems to have coordinated this beautiful, generous moment so that she too could see the redemption of Israel and the tiny embodiment of the Christ child and for both of them i just you have to you have to just humor me a little bit and try to imagine what it was like for them they had spent their entire life waiting for this moment longing yearning for this one thing believing that god finally would do something would act and change the story and change their fortunes and make things better And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit leads them right to it, and it's true, and it's there, and it's present. Imagine their faces, their smiles, their tears, as they see and as Simeon holds this child. There are three things in this text that I think are particularly useful for us today, as we prepare to tell our own story and look a little bit at the year ahead. And the first is the incredible generosity of God. Here are these two people who literally have spent their entire lives waiting for this moment, longing for the chance to see something. And God engineers it for them. God gives it to them. They're longing for it. They're aching for it. They're waiting their whole lives for it. And God says, okay, now's the time. I'm ready. Here it is and enables them to see the good news in process. And then there's their joy, both of them. The joy that they must have felt at this generosity, the the gratitude, the hopefulness about the fact that something was about to change, the fact that God had indeed acted and that the whole world would be changed. Their joy is palpable in the way that they both respond. They feel an intense joy at seeing the Lord. And then they respond to that joy in a particular way. For Simeon, it's a prayerful way. He gives us this intensely beautiful, striking, hopeful prayer. And for Anna, it tells us that she prophesies. She witnesses to the fact that she's seen something. And she does it so loudly that everyone in the temple can hear it. Yes, there are some special moments for Mary and Joseph, who, by the way, this is probably an out-of-body experience for them. But in reality, both Simeon and Anna respond to their joy in a way that is visible, tangible, and an example for the people around them. And so as we prepare for our storytelling and our conversation after this service, as we take a look at the year that's passed, as we always do in every annual meeting, and we sort of glimpse just a little bit of the year ahead, these three things can be helpful for us. The incredible generosity of God that we experience in our life together in this place, the joy of Jesus. Now, I have to say, if you're not feeling particularly joyful this morning, I understand. We've been through a really tough couple of years a tough season. And the invitation for all of us still is to remember, and we'll talk more about this at the meeting, but as much as there are things that have changed, what has not changed is the presence of God among us. The fact that we are resurrection people, the fact that we believe in good news, the fact that God has indeed acted and has given us this beautiful life to live and share together. So there is joy for us to be found in the presence of God and in the presence of this community. And then the real question for us always as Christians is how we choose to respond to that joy. How after we have a chance to take it in and feel it, and imagine again Simeon and Anna's great joy. What is it like when you get the best news? What is it like in your body? What does it feel like? When we have joy like that, when we know the presence of God, how do we respond together? How do we share that part of the story amongst ourselves and well beyond these walls with the people all around us? The invitation of Candlemas is to hold on to that joy and that light, to take the candles with you. We're going to pass—you brought some in, and we'll light them at the end of the service— Take them with you. If you brought some from home, you'll take them with you as well. Light them. Remember this incredible, intense joy of Simeon and Anna when you light them, that God has acted, that light has come into the world, and that that light can never be put out ever by anything, not by COVID, not by difficulty, not by our sin or our failure, not by evil, not even by death. This light that has come into the world can never be put out. So take those lights with you, and when you light them, remember that that same light lives in you. And that as much as Simeon and Anna were starving to see Jesus, to see the light, so is the rest of the world, and you are the only ones who can show it. So go and show them the light. Amen.